Mac Power Users, Episode 294, Workflows with Mike Vardy. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside David Sparks. Hey, David. Hello, Katie Floyd. How are you today? Oh, I'm coming up for air, but I'm good. How are you? Yeah, you've just finished a bunch of exams. Well, uh, as we record this, I'm I'm done with one and I'm doing one more tomorrow, but and then I'm done. You know, I I was um I was talking to you and you were telling me that you have these exams now that are 24 hours or 48 hours. And I guess one, that one was 30, uh, one was 72 hours. So it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I mean, how miserable is that? Who wants to do a three day exam? And then you know, once, I, once 24 hours, you know, when, when I went to school the first time, it was like, you'd go in for two to three hours and then put some stuff on a piece of paper and you'd be done. I, I think sometimes I'm glad that I'm kind of old. Because I, I don't think I would have made it through school because my attention span did not last 72 hours back then. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I, I tell you, people were turning in that exam this morning. I mean, I was all dressed up in my suit. I had to go to work. And um and I, I stopped yesterday afternoon at some point. I was like, you know what, done. Goodbye. I, I take kind of a different approach of this than I, I think most of the 20-something-year-olds who are in class do. But, man, they were like rolling in with their pajamas, looking like they hadn't slept in three days. And I'm like, man, you guys are taking this too seriously. When I took the bar exam, I am, um, we were engaged. And so we, we were going to get married and I knew our wedding was a month after the results came in. So I was pretty, you know, I was pretty motivated to pass. So I didn't have to go to my wedding and tell everybody how I failed the bar. And, uh, but when I actually took the bar exam, cause it was a three day exam back then, I would just go home every night and fiddle in the wood shop. I didn't study anymore. At some point, I just feel like you've done as much as you can and now right. you just got to leave it to fate. Yeah. Anyway, um, we have a couple bits of news before we get our guest in here. Uh, the first is some exciting news over at Relay. Yeah, Relay has announced a new membership plan. So I know we've had a couple of, of listeners have approached us a couple of times over the years and said, hey, is, is there a way that we can support MPU directly? And we really appreciate that first off. And now there is. So if you are so inclined, and this is completely optional, uh, there is now a way that you can directly support David and I and our efforts with Mac Power users. And that is through the Relay membership plan. So you can head over to relay.fm slash MPU. That's our show page. Page, and then up at the top, you'll see options to support the show. Uh, plans start at $5 a month. Uh, you can, uh, you know, stop at any time that you want to. And if you sign up for a membership, you can sign up for just Mac Power users. If you like other shows on Relay, you can sign up for Mac Power users and other shows. Um, or there's an option called All the Great Shows option, and that just kind of spreads your membership money around all the hosts. And you get a couple of bonuses. Um, one is that in August, which is Relay's birthday month, you'll get a bonus episode of every show. So you'll get bonus episodes in August. Another is there's going to be a behind the scenes newsletter that is going to produ be produced monthly. And then you'll also get 15% off anything that you buy in the Relay merchandise store. And they're working on some other perks, but that's what you get for now. And the, the big thing is you just get good karma if you are so inclined to support the show. But uh, news from us is nothing new is happening with the show. Nothing is changing. It's the same Mac Power users that uh, you love and enjoy. Just, you know, if you're looking for a way to support the show, now you got it. And we want to emphasize that's optional. Please don't feel like you have to do that. If right. you want to, that's great. If you don't, that's fine, too. Uh, anyway, listen, we have a guest on the show today. He's been on our list for years, literally, and I don't know how we never got him here. Um, uh, he's a very nice gentleman, and, and I can attest to the world that he has one of the most handsome um, Skype photos that I've ever seen. Uh, so welcome to the show, Mike Vardy. 
<laughs> Thanks, David. Thanks, Katie. Yeah, I worked really hard to get Skype to make sure I looked as as, as elegant and as handsome as possible. I'm, so. I'm, I'm looking at this picture. I'm intimidated. I'm like, this guy's <laughs> got it figured out. And then to top it off, he's he's in the Google Doc with us as we're working on the show outline. He's got a picture of himself just kind of standing there looking off into the sunset. I'm thinking, man, Mike has got it together. What's wrong with me? I think it's just because I've done so much speaking and stuff that I have to get all these headshots and crazy photos done. Probably back to my acting career, too, where I just said, okay, these things are important. I still (laughs) think the best photo I've ever seen, Merlin Man years ago had a photo taken of himself. He was like out in the middle of like the Redwoods and he was standing on a chair with his computer waving his hand at nothing. And it just it just felt so right to me. I'm I so jealous of him for taking that photo. I wish I, I had thought of it that first. Photo. It was hilarious. Anyway, I guess now if anybody's left, um, after we talked about, um, <laughs> after we talked about exams and all that other <laughs> yeah. stuff, yeah. Uh, Mike is, is really a well-known speaker on productivity issues. Uh, Mike, um, you, you really spoken all over the United States and Canada and probably some other places as well. Um, he, he's got some great ideas about productivity. He also runs his own business. So he's been building some, some great behind the scenes workflows. And just in general, I think Mike has a lot of interesting ideas about how to use his Mac and iPad and iOS to get ahead. Uh, so we're so grateful to have you in the show. Thanks. And welcome, Mike. Thanks for having me guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, one of the things uh, we, you, know, you and I had a call last week, we were talking about, you know, subjects for the show. And, and one of the things you said just in passing is how you like to travel uh, you travel a lot because you do these speaking gigs. And when you travel, you don't bring a Mac with you. You only bring your iPad mini. Yep. And I knew that would make Katie happy. You're a happy. mini guy. Yeah. I am. Yeah. And um, and I thought, you know, that's great. But, you know, where does that get hard when you, because uh, there's people out there that are, are thinking about doing this that have never really done it before. Um, where do you run into stumbling blocks when you, when you don't have Mac OS with you? You know, I used to run into more of the stumbling blocks, such as, you know, working on podcasts and stuff when I was doing a lot of the stuff myself. But now that I've got some people working with me, it actually makes it a lot easier. So, I mean, for example, uh, you know, I all the writing is done on the Mac pretty easily. I started off and or the iPad rather. I started off in drafts. So it doesn't I mean, I can move things around pretty easily. Uh, you know, it, it, it OK, can I, I interrupt you to, there for a second? Yep. Yep. Uh, a lot of, lots of questions lately about writing workflows on our show. Uh, when you start something in drafts, do you keep it there while you're working on it or does it go somewhere else? I actually start, I, I keep it there until I'm ready to move it out. So when basically if, if, if the entire post gets written in drafts and that's where it's, it stays and then it moves to buy word afterwards for markdown stuff, if I decide to do that or it'll, you know, I mean, that's kind of how I play with it. So it's, it's drafts is kind of my gateway. I kind of look at it that way because I use it for the gateway for all of the, all the writing that I do tasks. I use input for actually the new, the new app input yeah. because it's just seen it I mean, that's I'm very big on on having one place to go to for very intentional and, and, and specific stuff. So if I use drafts for everything else, but I use input for task input, I feel I feel like I know what each of those things are for. So, yeah, I'll spend a lot of time in drafts writing it and then I'll move it over to Byword for fine tuning and stuff. Plus, then I know what's getting onto the Mac if I want to really go onto the Mac when I'm at home or something like that. But I'll, there's not a lot of friction anymore on the iPad even and and I mean, despite when you look at my Skype picture, we talked about this before. Yes, I'm wearing progressive lenses, so I don't have the best eyesight, but I love just the compactness of it. You know, I love the fact that I can use it for reading and for, um, you know, for viewing stuff and on an airplane. I mean, 
it's really nice to have, you know, lots of room on your table tray when you're trying to do work as well. So, you know, I used to have a lot of, but I I look at my, my home screen and I've got, you know, dragon on there so I can do reciting if I want. I've got, uh, you know, I've got, um, my, you know, my task management apps, I've got my writing apps. There's really, I don't really have that much friction anymore. And it's, I think that's a testament to how far along iOS has come over the past few years. Has Dragon released their iOS uh, app yeah, already? They just did. Yeah. Oh, yep. Okay. Just I've been week. waiting for that to come out. That's great. Um, Before let's, let's, we get too deep into the weeds of, of the apps that you're using and the workflows that you're using, I, I want to back up a little bit and talk a little more about the philosophy of just traveling with an iPad mini. I mean, sure. how, did, how did you come to this idea of... I'm going to leave the Mac at home. I'm only going to travel with the iPad mini. Before we talk about how you do it, let's, let's talk about why you do it. Sure. It's actually, uh, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, when I first started doing speaking gigs, a lot of them were unpaid. You know, they were just to get your yourself out there. And and uh, still a lot of them are. Uh, they, they they pay very, you know, like for exchange or whatever of, of services, or you get to go to the, the networking events. I do get paid for more than I ever used to. But uh, I was traveling light and I wanted to make sure that I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't staying in like really decent hotels. I was staying at hostels and stuff like that. So it was more of a, I'm not going to be staying in this place for very long. So how can I move about very quickly? And then another, th- then the other reason was honestly, uh, traveling across the border from Canada to the U.S. can be uh, can be daunting at times when you're dealing with people at the border who don't. When you say, "How do you make a living?" You're like, "Well, I, I work from home on the internet," and uh, they say, "Oh, would you work in the U.S.?" And like, "Well, I work for a company in Canada because I'm incorporated." And, uh, you know, rather than bring along this big hulking computer, if I have my iPad, it just makes things a little bit easier crossing the border. They're not seeing you bring like a ton of equipment. So as much as, you know, I have all my paperwork in order and everything's good to go, you just you want to make things as seamless and as smooth as possible, as frictionless as possible. And that that was those are the main drivers. Honestly, Katie, when I first started, I'm like, you know, first ease of ease of movement, uh, both, you know, coming in and out of, of Canada and, and into the U.S. And also just when I'm out and about, if I'm at a hostel, I'm not going to leave, uh, you know, a $2,000 Mac there. And I'm certainly not going to want to lug one around the city. So I'll, I'll bring my iPad mini. It just seemed to solve all those problems. Have you ever done that, Katie? Have you ever taken your iPad without your Mac? Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, I do it less on, on work trips, but I do it all the time on just pleasure trips. If, if I'm not having to to log into the office and, and do heavy stuff for the office, I will, I will frequently travel with only my iPad mini. You know, the, one of the hangups for me on that, and I've done it as well. I, the first time I did it, I'll never forget, I went up to, um, well, I went up to San, San Francisco to meet some friends at a certain fruit company and it was a day, it was a day trip. So I, I knew you know, I was going up in the morning and I brought my iPad and felt like I was kind of going without pants on, you know, because <laughs> I'd never really traveled without my Mac and, and, and the day job, you never know when something's going to come up, but the, uh, it worked out just fine. But since then, uh, with Microsoft releasing a, a really viable version of word for the iPad, um, I've done it several times as well without trouble. And, um, so it is possible definitely, uh, in this day and age, but it wasn't a few years ago, probably. No, and I, I was traveling with the original iPad, and I tried to bring that a couple of times. I think I wrote a few posts on Productivityist about this, where I was, I went iPad only, and that would have been about two years ago. And even then, I was like, well, I had to make sure I had 
all my blog posts scheduled well in advance to make sure that there was not going to be any issues with image uploads or anything like that. Now it's not as much of an issue. And again, I know, you know, we'll probably talk about, you know, how I've built a bit of a virtual team that makes it easier too, because I can just communicate with Slack and say, Hey, here's some files that are in Dropbox. Uh, here's, here's you guys put those in and, and so on and so forth. So it makes it a little bit easier. But I mean, the other reason is I can do all my re I mean, I use iBooks almost exclusively now for reading again, Canadians didn't have access to the Kindles that you guys had access to nearly as early. So iBooks was really, you know, or Kobo were the ones that we would use. And so I kind of just got started reading the iPad books like on, on iBooks and I've stuck with it. So to have everything, like I've got my reading device, I've got my, you know, input device. I've got this Logitech, you know, little wireless keyboard that goes with it. I've got a little book bag that carries everything. I mean, it just makes it so simple and so frictionless. Do you have any attraction to the bigger iPads at this point? Not really. If anything, I've the only I find when I when I replace Macs is what I'll do is I, I had a MacBook Air and because uh, I had the iPad iPad Mini, I was using that a lot more. When I upgraded, I went to a MacBook Pro because mm-hmm. I wanted a bit more power. But I think next time, honestly, if I was going to do it, I would probably upgrade to an iMac and have that on my desktop at home. And then maybe I would upgrade to a larger iPad. But right now, I mean, my my MacBook Pro is humming along just nice. It's it's one of the newer ones. And the iPad mini, I still I'm still running the, the previous version of the iPad mini and it's running OK. So I, I just like the form factor. I, it's the other reason why I don't have an iPad, uh, you know, the six plus, you know, the, I, yeah. I have the basic iPhone six because I don't want the form factors are, are, are quite, um, you know, similar. So why have that one when I can have just the, the iPhone that fits in my pocket? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah we uh, actually talked about that a little bit on the last show. I, and I agree with you completely. I think if you're an iPad mini person, you're not an iPhone plus person because the, they're just too similar a device. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense to have an iPhone mini and an iPhone uh, uh, iPad mini and an iPhone plus, um, you know, I was just lamenting, I, you know, I don't know if, the, if there was a four inch iPhone instead of a 4.7 inch iPhone, I, I spec for spec, I'm, I might be tempted to go back to it, but maybe not. You may get your wish next year. My wife still runs the smaller. I mean, I think she's getting an iPhone five, but she had, she's been using an iPhone four S she gets my hand me downs. So she's been running a four S and I look at it every once in a while. I'm like, how did I, it's weird because I could still use it. I wouldn't have a problem with it, but it, it you know, it's funny. Every time we move into a new form factor, I look at it and go, how could she, have, how could I, how could I have ever used this thing? And, and I was an original, I was the a guy in Canada who bought the iPhone when you couldn't get it in Canada. I bought it off eBay and had it brought across and then yeah. did the whole unlocking thing. And I mean, I've been through every iteration and, and, you know, I mean, the, the way things change, it's so, it's so much more frequent than it used to be. But once you get, I think once you get a sense of what form factors you like, you kind of stick with it. And I'm really happy with the whole iPhone, uh, the, the basic iPhone format, you know, the iPad mini and the MacBook, uh, the MacBook pro, I think works better for me now than the 11 inch. I think the 11 inch was a bit too small, but the MacBook pro I'm using is, is quite nice. Yeah. Well, I, I want to, we, we have actually several topics to cover today, but while we're on this iPad traveling topic, now I would like to get into the weeds for a little bit. Is that okay, Katie? Yeah. Now we can go into the weeds. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> So talk about some of the apps. Uh, one of these things I've been looking forward to talking about on our show for a while now, uh, Nuance has been promising this Dragon Anywhere uh, iOS app. And one of the hangups with dictation currently on iOS is it's actually Siri dictation is actually quite good. The problem is after about three sentences, it stops. And you actually have to learn to dictate with it. Like one of the things I always do is I get two sentences and I stop. I don't start a third sentence. 
because I may or I may not may not finish that third third sentence. And if I don't, then it's just trouble getting started. It wants to capitalize again and causes all sorts of mayhem. Uh, but, you know, learning to do that when you're dictating is no fun. And Dragon Anywhere is supposed to solve that problem. I haven't used it yet, but it sounds like you have. No, I've actually still been using the basic app. I haven't really d- gone into Dragon Anywhere yet too much, but I've been using the base the old Dragon Dictation app that, that that's been on there for a while. Okay. It still seems to work for me. So, but you mentioned Dragon Anywhere, and I'm like, oh, I should probably get that at some point. I've actually been using both a combination of of the Siri, the Basic Dictation, both on the Mac and the iPad, as well as you know the Dragon stuff. But uh, no, I mean, I've not really played with Dragon Anywhere yet. Uh, I'm still using the Basic. I, I've upscaled the uh, the original dragon dictation app that they had and just been using that and it's you know one of the things i find that i've also been using is if i if i dictate it and then what i'll do is i'll send it you've heard of rev.com right yeah, guys, mm-hmm. yeah so uh, what i'll do is is the nice thing about it is i can do one of two things either i will dictate an app so it, dictate it so it will go into the dragon app and then i'll, I'll use it and copy and paste it and then fine tune it later or what i'll do is i've got a voice recording app on the phone uh, or on the on the iPad Mini rather, and I will take that, save that file to Dropbox, and then go to rev.com and send it to rev.com so it can be turned into into writing. So I find I work both ways, which is pretty interesting. I, so sometimes I'll start with with text and and manually do it myself uh, using using Dragon, or I will have a service do it for me. I've done that with a couple like book projects now, or so quick projects that I wanted to have done that I just didn't have the time or energy to 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 do right they were already existing as talks let's say so i did a talk on mode-based work and i sent that to rev.com that kind of stuff so i I use both apps on my ipad intermittently but i'm not using anywhere yet and i'd i'd like to i'd like to give it a try have you you guys have used you've been using it on the is it on the desktop it's on it's just like it's desktop too dragon dictate got a significant upgrade just in the last couple months i've been using that and it's great i'm going to be writing it up but i guess just note to mac power users listeners we're either going to cover this in a future live show or maybe its own show at some point uh so weigh in if you have something to say on dragon anywhere because it's it's a new service i understand it's going to be subscription ultimately i don't know if they've got those those yeah those they've, they've got it, it up it's it starts at 15 dollars a month yeah it's quite expensive yeah and then 40 for three months and 150 for a year yeah so I, i'm gonna look into it as well but we'll, we'll talk but the the advantage of it is it allows you to dictate without stopping on your mm-hmm. device and if you make your living dictating into a device uh, that may be a worthwhile investment to you. I don't know. So we'll check into it and report back. But I, I thought Mike had it. You got me excited there for a minute. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited now too, though. You've got me excited. Oh, the price maybe didn't excite me as much. No, exactly. <laughs> it's a different there, there is a one week free trial. Yeah, I'll give it a go. Anyway. Um, well, so what are some of the other apps that you find useful uh, on the road to help you, you know, get away without a Mac? Well, I mean, I think some of the other ones that I use, I, I've been using, I mean, Evernote on on the iPad is, is pretty, pretty awesome. I mean, I use a lot of the cloud-based ones. So another one that I, I really like to use to get reading done on the road, if I'm trying to, you know, do some research for posts, is a, an app called Blinkist. It's a service, software as a service. I don't know if you've, you've heard of it before, but what it does is it kind of takes those, those nonfiction books that are out there and distills them down to what they call Blink. So kind of like uh, Cliff's Notes 
but on, you can read them on your iPad. And I mean, I've got a library of about 40 or 50. So I tend to do a lot of reading with my iPad when I'm traveling because I'm normally traveling solo. So it's not like I've got my family around with me. So if I'm, you know, on a plane or, or, you know, in a hotel and I, I, I want to be doing some of that, I'll, I'll use Blinkist for that. Another thing I'll, I'll use is, uh, again, I've got Slack on the iPad that allows me to stay in constant communication, but it's the only communication tool on my iPad. I don't have any social media uh, applications on my iPad at all. I'm very big on as much as the iPad mini can do everything. I don't like to have the communication stuff on there because I often use it for content creation. So you'll see things like, again, drafts is on here. I have my task management tools on here too. So I have to doist for my, my, uh, my individual stuff. And then I have uh, Asana for the team-based stuff that Productivityist uses. Um, other stuff I have on here, geez, there's 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 a few on the homepage. Uh, again, there's Rev. I've got Launch Center Pro, which is a big one because what I'll do with my with my uh, my reading is I actually have a reading workflow lined up yeah. that m- marks off. So, for example, the top row shows Reader, so I'll touch that, and it actually gives me a notification every morning to say, "Hey." Now it's time to launch your reading workflow. I'll do the reading workflow. And then I'll, the second phase of it is to use Flipboard. I used to like Zite, but Zite is gone now, unfortunately. I really liked Zite. And then Instapaper is my third phase of that. Um, day one is on here. I use that a lot on the how, road. how do you use day one? Uh, and day I, one, for those people who don't know, is just a, it's a really popular and well-created calendar, or a diary app. Yeah. Day one, I, what I will do is I will normally, especially on the road is I will take a picture of wherever I am. Like, so I use, I will use my iPad as weird as that sounds to take some pictures, not many and normally not in public because <laughs> it still looks weird to take a picture as far as I'm concerned with a, with a larger, uh, larger device. Not as, not as much as the iPad pro. I'd yeah, I totally want to go take pictures with my lunch tray. I'm not sure <laughs> where I'm going to do it, but it's going to happen. Have so, someone take a picture of you taking a picture. Yeah. I want to be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'll do is I will use it for, I mean, I journal every, every day, you know, so I journal every night and, and I think it's part of, uh, I think it makes reviewing when you're in terms of productivity, a lot better and a lot easier to have a, a review that you can go back and look at your journal entries and see where you've been, you know, what you plan on doing, you know, the next day, that kind of stuff. So what I'll do is I'll normally take a picture of where I am. I'll say, you know, and I'll have the first line day one. What it does is the first line. It always like creates a headline out of, so I'll try to say something really you know, profound to start off. And then I'll write for, and, and my journal entries vary. They can be very, um, you know, quick. Uh, there, I have a few of them in there. They're like, ah, writer's block. And then that's the end of it. And then others that say, you know, had a fantastic day with the kids. And also, you know, I, I, I saw a beautiful, uh, San, San Diego was awesome. I had a great time at Legoland with the kids or I'm in New York and, uh, it's not like the movies I used to see when I first went to New York. It freaked me out because I had seen all the movies and being from the West coast of Canada, you're thinking New York, scary place. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, you're going to go out and get, you know, a drink of water and you're going to die. <laughs> exactly. Um, so so that's, know, that's how I use, it, yeah, on I that, use it. On that point of day one though, I, we hear mm-hmm. from, we've talked about it on the show frequently. Katie uses it in a more professional capacity sure. and, and I use it more in a personal capacity, but you made a point. You'd say, you know, it, I think it helps you just spend a little time every day writing it, writing in a diary. And you made the point it helps you for productivity. Um, expand on that a little bit, because one of the the statements I hear from a lot of people is, well, I'd like to do that, but I just don't have time for it. Well, the reason it helps me is if you're a GTD, uh, you know, person who's into GTD, there's a thing called a weekly review. And we, you guys have talked about it before, but uh, you know, for me, 
I don't necessarily prescribe to doing a weekly review. So by journaling regularly and basically journaling wait, well, daily, wait a second. Why, why wait. don't I do a weekly review? Yeah, Can I answer the first question? How do you get by without a <laughs> weekly review? It kills me. I, I can't. I need yeah. to do it. No, no, no. So you're exact. That's just that's it. Like a lot of people that are GTD practitioners go, oh, the weekly review. Uh, yeah, let's not talk about that because no one really. It's so in depth, right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, it, it, well, a couple things you can do oh, there. Boy, I, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. I won't go along. Listeners have already heard this story from me, but I I don't do a weekly review of every project with no. OmniFocus. You can say, you know, review this every six months. But um, but I do them as they show up, and boy, does it help! It, it's, yeah, it does. And I know you've set something up in a way that allows. I remember we, when you did the uh, the OmniFocus setup talk that I saw you do a couple, the last time I saw Katie. Actually, uh, you know that you, you've got it set up, but a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people don't get as intricate in setting it up in certain ways that allow them to not view everything. So they so for me, what I like to do with this journal is I'll go back and read journal entries when I'm ready to do a review. So I'll do a review like every two weeks, basically. And I look at things every single day in my, my task app, which is to doist. But what I'll do is when I look at my journal entries, I can see where I've been and where I'm going. And I often chronicle my thoughts that basically say, hey, I should have been working on this today, or I did a lot towards this today. And it kind of propels me in the right direction. So it helps me course correct. And that's kind of what, that's one of the things that it, it's, you're telling the story as you go, right? That's how I feel that it helps me. So other than having the task app that tells me what I've done and having, you know, all the other technical tools, this tells me more of a, of a human story of, okay, why am I not doing this thing? Oh, it's because I don't really want to do it. Or why am I not doing this thing? Well, because I don't have all the pieces in place. So that's kind of how day one helps me with productivity is it, is it gives me a kind of a, a path of where I've been and where I'm going so, or, or where, where I am now. So I can kind of course correct if I need to. And that's, that's one of the reasons I use it. Yeah. Mike, I actually want to talk a little bit more about your, um, your task management workflows, because as you know, David and I are, are you know, both kind of slanted towards a, another task management app. And as mm -hmm. a result, we haven't really talked about Todoist or any of the other, and I know, you know, use a different one for your team stuff. We haven't really talked about any of the other ones. And I love it when we have a guest on the show who is, is using different products than we are. So we can, we can talk about those. Um, so I, I want to dig in a little deeper to those when we come back. But before we do, I want to take a quick moment to talk about our first sponsor for this episode, and that is Gazelle. And, you know, the holiday season is here. We're talking about electronics that you might give and things that you might get. But maybe you don't quite want to break the bank buying new, or maybe you want to give a gift to a, a child and you don't want to spend a whole lot of money on that. Well, Gazelle has got an answer for you because they have got an incredible selection of quality pre-owned devices at great prices. You'll find iPhone models from 4S through 6 Plus. You'll find iPads. You can check out their standard Air and Mini selection. And they even cater to the Android user if you've got one of those in your lives. But you probably don't want to be buying them a gift anyway. It's it's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, but you can if you want to. And now, by popular demand, and David, I wish we had known this to talk about. I actually did know it, but I couldn't talk about it on our last episode. Uh, they are selling Apple MacBook laptops are now available pre-owned. Um, so you might want to grab those while the supplies last. And so you don't want to miss out on getting the best value on their certified pre-owned devices over at gazelle.com. They are the trusted online marketplace for buying and selling all of your used electronics. And you don't forget, you can still trade in your old devices for cash or buy a certified one, whichever one you prefer. If you want to go the trade-in route, head over to gazelle.com. That's G-A-Z-E-L-L-E.com. Find your device 
device, get an instant quote. Shipping is free and payment is fast. And if you're looking for a certified pre-owned device, they've got you covered with those too. They've got devices are available in all kinds of different carriers with excellent and good conditions. Good conditions, so a few signs of wear and tear but offers the consumers great values. And I've seen a couple of the devices that are in excellent condition. You wouldn't know most of the time that they were ever used. The devices have been put through a rigorous 30-point inspection process, ensuring that they are in perfect working order so you don't have to worry about what you may get. Um, All online um, offers are free. If you want to go trade in your device to see what they're worth, just put in your gadget get a quote, boom, you're done, and the payments are fast. You get a check by mail, an Amazon gift card, um, or direct deposit into your PayPal account. So whether you are buying or selling this holiday season, make sure you check out Gazelle, that's G-A-Z-E-L-L-E.com, and make sure you let them know that Mac Power users sent you. So thanks, Gazelle, for their support of the show. So, Mike, so, let's talk a little bit more about um, the task management apps that you use that, that I'm not that familiar with Todoist. Can you you tell us a little, why, what made you settle, at least for now? Because I know you're always trying different workflows and techniques on that particular uh, application. Well, what I did was I was kind of looking at all of the different apps that were out there. And I the work that we do at Productivity is, revolves around not just Mac users, but there's a lot of even Mac users that are using Android phones or that they're you know, coerced and they have to use Windows at work or, or what have you. So Todoist, I, I, I looked at all of them and I was trying to find something that 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 was a lot, would allow you to work collaboratively, but it was also clean and simple because to get somebody to use any kind of task management tool is, is challenging enough. They feel, oh, well, I can just manage via email or I can, you know, well, why don't I just use uh, Outlook tasks or something like that and, or Microsoft Project, which, you know, uh, so <laughs> what I did was I looked at all of them and, and I've used a bunch of them, but Todoist I like because the interface was very clean. Uh, the pricing point was very, very modest to get the premium model. I think at the time was $24 US. I think it's 33 per year now. So that's 24 US per year or 33 per year. And I like the fact that it was both web-based as well as you could you could have a local app on your Mac or on your Windows machine, as well as they have iOS and, and Android apps. And what I appreciated about it was you have the inbox, the traditional inbox, you have the projects, uh, you know, kind of area you have one called labels which in gtd terms would be i attribute them to contexts or whatever so you could have labels so you could label tasks with specific uh attributes and you can have multiple uh labels per attribute which is or per task rather which i think was really really important and then you could also have filters so you kind of like how omnifocus has perspectives you could say i want to see only the things that I have labeled with this label and this label that are due in the next 10 days that are in this project. And it would show you all that stuff. So you could essentially, once you've used Todoist often enough, and this is what I teach a lot of the coaching clients that I've worked with that are using Todoist, is instead of working by the today view or the next seven days view or whatever, they have a list of these filters, which are all visible in the side frame, and they can work by filter. And as they work by filter, they're knocking down all these tasks that they need to work on. And and what happens is 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 if they use it correctly, they could either work by project, they could work by by label, they could work by priority. If they, they have priority flagging, but ideally you get them working by filter. And it's just a really nice, clean interface. And it, it works for a variety of platforms. So that's one of the reasons I went down that road. Yeah, I mean, any task system, I think one of the key attributes is the ability to slice and dice your tasks so you can see them in a way that makes sense for you. And a way that you can do that without taking a lot of time, which it sounds to me like Todoist fits in that category. 
Yeah, I mean, there's guys like Federico at Max Stories and, and Dave Kalen have gone into it because it's so it's simpler to set up than a lot of the other ones out there. And when you're trying to get somebody to use a task management application or and one that that they can scale, one that that's kind of future proof for them, then it makes it a lot easier for them to be able to use something like that that's clean and simple as opposed to something that that you feel that if you're not using all of it, then you're using it wrong. I mean, we've seen people use tools like Evernote where they go and they throw everything from from their paper files to Evernote and all of a sudden they feel they're going to be organized and all they've done is moved one mess from the analog world to the digital world. That can happen a lot with with productivity and task management and time management. To do it seems to do it in a way that's really, really clean and a lot and in a way that allows you to scale it across multiple platforms and work collaboratively, which some tools just don't do. They don't let you work with a group of people and share tasks and stuff like that. A lot of teams need, teams do need that. Yeah. Now I I've always felt like one of the biggest traps you fall into with these applications is, um, uh, you know, to do this is a good example. It's easy to capture tasks and create long lists of things that you want to do. You know, the brain dump mm-hmm. as they say. And, and I think a problem that people fall into is just because you can write it down doesn't mean you can do it. And I get emails almost every day from people saying, well, my biggest problem with this system is I've got 10,000 things to do and I don't know how to figure out what I'm supposed to do. And, and I'm my response. I even have a text expander snippet at this point. It's like, you need a machete and you need to go through and like kill like two thirds of those tasks because just because you write them down doesn't mean you can do them. I think that that's always an issue. And, and I think that's the block that you run into when you've got a good application because the application uh, takes care of you in so many ways that it just doesn't, it's just not the one that wears the big boy pants to tell you when, when you write something down to say, no, 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 wait, you don't have time to do this. You know, mm-hmm. you need to kill something else to make this happen or just forget about it. Right. And I think the tool will only take you so far. I think the approach as always is going to be more important than the app. I have, it happened to me today. I was, uh, I'm working on the podcast myself, my own podcast, and I, I've got a couple episodes that I needed to get done and then normally on Wednesdays is when I focus on the podcast, but I was a little bit behind. So I, I focused on getting Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays done. And I was going to go to Thursdays because Thursdays were ready to roll. And I stopped myself and I said, no, Wednesday is podcast day. It's not Wednesday yet. And you're fine. You don't need to worry about doing that yet. So I think the approach is always going to be more important than the app. But the app can, if, if you use it intentionally and you pay attention to it, then yeah, you can, I mean, I throw a lot of stuff into Todoist, but I have a filter at the very bottom that says no due date. You know, yeah. and it's on flag. So until I get to that bottom filter, I don't see that stuff. And that takes discipline. And that's something that no no uh, digital tool can teach you on its own. That's for sure. Well, it's good to know, though, that there are some options, especially for the our PC using brethren, because there's a lot of people listen to the show that are required to work on a PC every day. And they want a task management system that they can use across the board. And it sounds like it has the Mike Vardy seal of approval. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's, it's really, I mean, and the mobile apps are are really nice too. And it's got location built in, like, you know, how OmniFocus, you can say I'm near here. I mean, it's got all that, those, and it's got karma built in, which some people really like too. If you want to gamify the experience, you could do that too. So it's got something for everybody. I'm not a big fan of the way everything is gamified at this point. I don't know. Yeah, me neither. But some people really need that. They need to, you know, they need that. Remember Carrot, that app that was so popular and people, you know, if you if if you hit that thing, then it wouldn't give you an insulting remark at the end of the day or whatever. I think some people really some people really need that. And that's the funny thing about productivity has become this thing where it for a lot of people, it's about getting things done as quickly as possible or getting as much done as possible. But but we forget that there's a personal component to it. And I think a lot of people 
when if they can choose the tool or choose their approach and get and still meet the same objectives as as their you know their teammates and as everybody else then then play off your own strengths if if it requires you to if you want to get a certain karma score and to doist every single day and that propels you to do work well i mean that's not a bad place to start the the key is is to make sure it's not the only reason you're using the tool yeah. i think that's a big thing and i don't know if this show is the platform to say but to me the real black belt in this stuff is once you master the tools then figuring out what to put into the tools and what mm-hmm. when to say no and that that to me i think is almost the next level of this stuff anyway uh we've been we've been rambling on here a bit about this stuff uh i before we move on to the next topic i just have one question as a I, ipad traveler um just in the last few months or maybe the last six months where have you hit the friction points you said there aren't many but where are they so people thinking about this can can be wary or be prepared for that I think still with some of the uh, audio production, I've still come across a few stumbling blocks. Uh, That's why I generally do that stuff in advance. And if you don't really know how to set things up on your iPad, if you're like a blogger or you want to post things, that that can be an issue. And I know, Katie, you mentioned it too, like logging into remote, like, you know, logging into remote servers and stuff like that for some people can still be a pain point. And, And so I think that's where some people will run into issues. I don't have that problem, so it's not a big problem. It's not an issue for me, but I think some people will definitely come across that. I had a funny experience. We went to, to Florida recently. I had to go hang out with Katie and get her sick. And yeah. um, the, um, I had a... You yeah, made it sound I, like that was a chore. I had to go to Florida and hang it, out with Katie. It also makes it like he booked the flight to go do that. Yeah, right. well, <laughs> all I can say is mission accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I uh, I had a problem with Microsoft Word on my Mac, and I don't want to get into it now, but there was some kind of thing. And, and I found it actually easier to fix a contract on my iPad than my Mac. And that was really uh, kind of an epiphany for me. Because uh, I knew, you know, it got better on the iPad and I'd used on the iPad. But on that trip, I did significant work on the iPad version of Word. And it really opened my eyes to, you know, think, wow, what do I need the Mac for at this point on trips? Uh, there isn't much. Uh, but I want to get into the to the next topic about this. Uh, are we allowed to move on to the next topic, Katie? Or do I need to do an ad spot? I haven't been keeping track of time. Uh, why don't you do the ad spot? That'll be a nice, clean transition. Okay, and I want to just tell you, when we come back, we're, we're going to talk about Mike Vardy, the presenter, because he's like um, to do is he's using a present- presentation app that I haven't talked about much or Katie. So we're going to hear all about that. But before we do, I'd like to thank our friends over at Harvest. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Harvest. And if you're a freelancer or part of a team and you have client work, you know how tricky and annoying it can be to track your time and send out those invoices so you can get paid. And, you know, that's what it's all about, right? So... Uh, Harvest takes care of this problem for you. Harvest lets you track exactly how much time you're spending on your projects. And you can do this from the web or your phone or your computer or even your watch. They've got it covered on every platform. Harvest is a great time tracking tool and it's available to you no matter where you get your work done. So making sure that you won't lose track of any of that time or lost money. The the one thing I always learned as a young lawyer is if I didn't write the time down that day, it never got written down. And Harvest it helps you get over that friction. You can just put the time in as soon as you want. And when it comes down to bill your clients, Harvest lets you take those tracked hours and easily create and send beautiful invoices. They look great and they can even be customized with your own company logo to make sure it looks and feels professional. Once you send the invoice out, you just want to get paid as quickly as possible. And a Harvest has that covered as well. It integrates with PayPal and Stripe so you can accept online payment on those invoices and get paid faster. They also feature multi-currency support in case you're billing overseas. 
And it also has automated invoices in case you need to send the same thing over and over again. Uh, they've really built a full package for people that need to track time and get paid. They do this with their really great looking apps and they're a pleasure to use by giving you the powerful reporting tools to help keep you up to date with what's going on, who's paid, who hasn't, and how your business is doing. To get started, go to Harvest right now with uh, getharvest.com, G-E-T harvest.com and create an account. The first month is free. You can save 50% off the next month by entering the coupon code mpu at checkout mpu for mac power users please use that get that 50 percent off thank you so much to harvest for helping support the show so presentations I'm, you give a lot of presentations i know that you travel around the u.s and canada tell us a little bit about um the setup that you use because i know david has a very elaborate presentation setup i don't think that's really fair i mean it was like I, a two-page spread in your book. You had to get well, up on I, a ladder to take a picture of it. Well, it's it's. I have every contingency covered. I mean, if I'm doing a book, I want everybody to know every contingency. But when I show up, <laughs> I plug in and go. You know, I read the book, and there was some stuff there that I'm glad I got out of it because there were. You know, I mean, I've been to presentations where I've been to organizations where they, and I think Merlin talked about this before when he went to the com when he did the, like a, like a, I think it was the combine or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was where he, like, I like to bring my own equipment. I think that's a big thing. I don't know. I mean, I, I want to make sure I have my own stuff because you just never know. And I, I, you come across it once and it did, it happen to me once and it was not a good experience and you never want to have that happen again because it only looks bad on you. Right. I mean, the organization that that's hosting you, they don't really, I mean, they have skin in the game, but you're in front of this audience. So for me, um, I want to make sure I have my own equipment. And I came across an application. I tried a few others. I tried, um, I mean, obviously I've used Keynote and and I have had to use PowerPoint in the past. I've had to export Keynotes as PowerPoints and, um, you know, Prezi. I've used Prezi before, but the one I really like to use is called Haiku Deck. And it's my presentation software of choice when I am going to use slides because it's simple. It's web-based, which is helpful if you are dealing with somebody who wants to use their own equipment. So you can't plug in, let's say, and in some cases, that's been the case. South by Southwest was an example of that where you know, plugging your own equipment is not exactly it messes up their whole thing. So to be able to have them go to a, a specific deck, a specific URL and go through the deck with you or at least having you be able to control it is is really helpful. So I, I like the the fact that this is another reason why I like it, is on the iPad mini. I can actually plug in my iPad mini into a projector now and run Haiku deck off of my my iPhone and the iPhone has notes that pertain to every single slide that I have. And and I'm a, a guy who likes to have minimal text on slides. I kind of follow the Gar Reynolds presentation Zen kind of philosophy. And so I will use my iPhone. It'll be in my hand. And I just have a couple bullet points on there if I need them. And I use that as my as my kind of remote. And, and I really enjoy it. And the nice thing about it, too, is I can take existing because I'm a member of Haiku Deck Zuru, which is their their pro member. And I can take any existing PowerPoint or Keynote, so anything I've done in the past, and then bring it into uh, Haiku Deck. And then it basically uh, makes it, uh, it kind of creates a slide deck out of that based on, and it looks for your images. It's one of the great things about this tool is that if I type in a piece of text, so let's say I'm going to do a, a presentation on time, and which I do a lot. If I type in the word, if, the, if they detect the word time in the deck, 
it will find Creative Commons images that are really, really nice that it will say, hey, do you want to insert this into the deck or this in the deck? And it just makes putting uh, presentations together really, really simple. You know, one of the because uh, I looked into that when I was writing the book and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to keep on top of these as I see these tools develop. One of my hangups with Haiku was the animation tools really weren't up to snuff. And, mm. and a lot of the stuff I do involves animating objects. I mean, it could be just demonstrating how a corporate transaction went down or how to, you know, file an email, no matter where I'm speaking. It seems like I'm using some animations and uh, like magic move and some of the tools that keynote has are, are really critical to me. Have they improved on that at all? Not really. I there. If you're going to do that kind of stuff, then definitely keynote or PowerPoint are going to be in. Obviously keynote is the one you're going to want to use. I, I avoid PowerPoint as much as possible. But I mean, I like it for simple, like clear visual presentations where you want the focus to be largely on you with, you know, just kind of a a trigger as a slide to trigger for them and a trigger for you. So they haven't really worked on animations. I don't know if they ever really will, to be honest, because I don't know if it's I don't know if that's their their end game. It it really scratches a different itch. I mean, if if you want to give a presentation where you just want a picture of, you know, a palm tree and you're going to get into something it's really good for that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think that they do have pie charts and stuff like that, that you can use. So there are, there are that, and you can have, um, you know, uh, percentages that you can, I know I've done that a few times where I've had like the, this is, this is the stat and puts it beneath and all that stuff. So I I think that it's great for a lot of people that are going to be just trying to use basic presentations. Cause I don't, I try not to do a lot of that animation stuff. It's just, I like to be able to go in, do the talk, have the focus be on, you know, the, largely what I'm doing is focusing on, on the content that I'm presenting. And, yeah. and I, I, I tend to improvise in, in some of these too. I mean, I, uh, because I did, I have an improv background, so I have my bullet points. I, David Robinson does this, the old basketball player. He does all of his talks and I actually do the same thing is I map my talks out in I thoughts. Yeah. So I actually do that. And then I basically, you know, I mean, build it from there. And if it's sometimes I'll finish, like, I'll just refine the talk on the plane. Like I'll I'll go in and say, okay, well, let me, let me move some things around because, and sometimes you have to even do it. And I've been in some presentation areas where there's a few speakers in a row. And uh, I was talking to my friend, Chris Brogan about this the other day. And he said that he actually had his talk. And by the time he got up, three other people had talked about what he was going to talk about. So by the time he had to go up, he had to kind of revisit. And, and luckily, he only had a, a slate. So he didn't have to do a whole bunch of different slides. I've come across that, too. And I've actually been able in Haiku Deck to be able to go, OK, let's eliminate that slide. Let's get rid of that one. Um, I did that when I had to, uh, Chris Hadfield, the astronaut. He was speaking in Vancouver and I was going on before him. And I saw I didn't know I was going on before him. So I actually had to, I actually inserted random slides of him, not really random, but random to the audience to say, you know, we short, we're shortening my presentation up because things are running long. And I know you all want to go see this guy. And I'd point to the screen and he was Chris Hadfield with two thumbs up and it got a laugh out of the audience. So having a tool where you can make things, make changes really easily on the fly and you can do this with keynote as well, but to make them look really, really good. I think that's important. Visuals are so important with, with presentation because you, it makes you look all that better, all that much better. And and the trick with those visual gags is you leave them on the screen just long enough for the audience to get it. And you, you pretend like it wasn't even there. Yep. Nothing worse than getting up and laughing at your own joke. It just, it just, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but you're giving like 20 presentations a year and, and that's a lot. And, and, 
there's a lot of people listening to the show who give presentations, but not as often as you do. And I'd ask you the same question I did about traveling with the iPad mini. Um, where lately are you seeing problems? You know, where are you running into trouble with these presentations and, and what kind of advice can you give us out here from the uh, front lines? Well, I think again, technology can present a problem if you, you need to go in like prepared, if not just the, the content of the talk, which obviously you want to be prepared, but you want to be prepared to know what they have. You know, I mean, I think that if you're going into a talk and I've got a, a, a one sheet that I kind of provide everybody with, that says, here's what I have, here's what I'd like to bring. And I can find out up front if, if they've got the ability to accommodate me, if not, then that changes how I'm going to present. You have to be ready to be nimble, you know? And I think that that's a lot of speakers that I've seen in, at different events some are amazingly uh, nimble and they've just kept it really simple. Grant Baldwin's a speaker that's a, that I know. And he, he doesn't go in, he has a slate slide deck. He doesn't have any other slides and he goes in with the sheet. He, everyone that comes into his talk, he basically gives them a sheet of paper and it's got fill in the blanks on it. And I employed this tactic recently uh, because I was in a library and there was no Wi-Fi, you couldn't get Wi-Fi and there was no cell signal. So it was very difficult for anybody to do really anything. And I couldn't use Haiku deck in there and no one in the organization really knew that this would happen. So I had, I found this out just leading up to the event and I basically took the talk and created like a, a fill in the blanks worksheet where people, I had, I had this sheet in front of me, I was at a dais and I was able to kind of go through these bullet points and people had to fill in the blanks for the sheet. So they'd fill in the blanks and that way they knew kind of like we do in school. So they pay attention to the talk and, and you could tell who was paying attention, who wasn't by doing that as well. And then what I would do is those who weren't paying attention, I would directly engage, you know, I'd do some, you know, go and point out them in particular when I was giving some examples. So I think you need to be prepared, not just content wise, but tech wise and be ready in case there is no way you can use your tech. Like I, I do, I mean, you want to make sure that you have that prepared. And if not, then yeah, if you're afraid of using web-based tools, which, you know, they, they do have their hangups, uh, you know, if, if you don't have a signal and you can't get localized uh, storage for them, then yeah, you're going to want to use Keynote. And if you want to make sure you can use something like Haiku Deck, but you also want to have slides, then you make a backup of the Haiku Deck in Keynote. So that way you don't have to worry about that because your goal as a speaker is to go up there and worry about what you're delivering and the content and serving that audience as opposed to, you know, worrying about, I wonder if I've got the right plug or I wonder if my, my connection is going to work. One of the things I do is in, in today's age, it's so much easier. You just call the people when I, especially if I'm traveling, I say, could you please just take a picture of the back of your projector with your cell phone and just mm. email it to me and, that's always comforting to see exactly what I'm plugging into. But uh, that old story about being ready to get up there and have something go, you know, bad on you and just, just chuck the remote and just talk. Um, that happens. I've done it. I'm sure you've had that happen to you as well. Yep. I had it happen again. That library gig was, I mean, luckily I have like, I have a sheet. Now what I've done is I've not only had haiku deck, but I have the backup on, on keynote, especially like I'm going to speak in Atlanta at the National Association of Professional Organizers in May. And I will have my my slide deck and haiku deck. They have a copy of it, but I'll also have a, a keynote and I'll also have sheets to hand out to everybody. I will have every base covered so I can focus. And once I have that all covered, then I can really focus on not rehearsing the talk to death, because I think that's something that, that can be a death knell as well, but really kind of preparing and practicing to a point because you want to leave some room. You don't want to seem overly rehearsed. That's a, I like Sir Ken Robinson's talked about that as well. 
And then, you know, that way I don't have to worry about all the technical stuff. I can worry about the focal point, which is the content. I, I wrote in the book about in my presentation book about I was giving a presentation on technology to a fairly large room. And about five minutes in, I heard a little pop noise and the screen got dark and oh. the ball uh. burst. And it was a technology talk. And, you know, and these people are sitting there. So I just said, turn up the lights. And I, 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 I pivoted. I didn't talk about what I was going to talk about at all. Instead, I talked about um you know project management and email management types of things that you don't need to see something on the screen for and i just you know went from the hip and everybody was happy at the end but boy uh you know i i, I shudder to think about that happening if i was like in a trial and i had a detailed animation showing how something was built or something that i really wanted to get across to the jury and, and that's why i always have like extra projectors in my trunk and everything you can think of because uh, sometimes you don't have that option and you really need it. But but I guess that's that's what part of this is you in dealing with the problems, you have to think it through. How important is it? Could you get by if, if everything went upside down for you? And if you couldn't, then make sure they don't. Well, and, and I think that having that preparation, having that productivity background forces me to create frameworks and structures. So the fail safes and all that stuff. So when I go in and I can do this when I'm reading an audience, too, we did. A, there was a, a talk up here. There was a word camp. And I was asked to speak at it and the Wi-Fi wasn't working in the school. They had, for some reason, I think somebody actually shut it off for that day, for that weekend. And no one thought to leave it on for the, and there was no way for anybody to get into where the router was. And it was a beautiful day and everyone was already, you know, on edge about the technology stuff. And I had a small single plant, like a small single session with about 30 people. And I, mine was on storytelling and, you know, how to, you know, that was back when I was doing the productivity parody stuff and that. So I, I basically said, why don't we just go outside? And everyone looked at me like I had two heads like, what? And I'm like, yeah, let's just go. Let's, there's a nice, let's just go outside and we'll do it out there. And it was an area where it wasn't super public. So, and they enjoyed it. They got, it broke a pattern. Everybody was kind of happy. They got to be outside in the fresh air. And sometimes, I mean, you just have to, reading the audience is so critical too, because sometimes they want that technology and they need it. But in some cases, if you look at the audience and you're losing them, then, or you've never had them, or you want to make sure you get them even more engaged, you need to mix things up. You have to be prepared to go a bit off book. I, I want to move on to the next uh, topic. and But before we do, just one question about Haiku Deck. Uh, you made mention earlier, it's a web-based tool. Do mm -hmm. you have the option to have local storage with your Haiku Deck? You can only import, so you can download the uh, the, the decks, and you can if you have the Pro, you can download them as PowerPoint. Uh, yeah, actually, no, I think you don't even have to have Pro to do that. You can download them as a PowerPoint or Keynote, but you have to go in and refine the fonts and stuff because sometimes that stuff breaks. But if it's like you, you wouldn't be able to swipe through and, and all that stuff that it gives with a web-based app now. Okay, so everybody go check out Haiku Deck, especially if you've got those kind of 20,000-foot talks you're giving where you're not going to need to do fancy animations. Mm -hmm. um, the um, You also, Mike, have been spending a lot of time lately thinking about meetings. Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> or fortunately now, I have a better relationship with meetings than I ever did before. When I worked at Costco, we had meetings a lot, a lot of status yeah. meetings. You work from home and run your own company. How, how do you have to have, be in meetings? You would think this would be the perfect, perfect situation for you. No more you know, meetings. I, I, you're right, but it doesn't mean that they're not a huge suck on productivity. And I've actually come across quite a few, especially now that I'm, you know, I do coaching calls with people. So I, I understand their pain points because I see a lot. I mean, that's one of the things that I love about coaching is that I get to see what goes on, like with other people's friction points. And 
I've had a few meetings and, and, you know, with, with my assistant and, you know, my wife and I have a meeting every single week. We call it the effing meeting, the food finance and family meeting, uh, where we talk about those three things. And that way we make sure everything is set up the three F's and, and it's really beneficial because then we can have a date night, you know, and not worry about, let's talk about how the bills are paid or whether we have to go pick up grace at dance practice or whatever. No, so you don't. I've, do you do the effing meeting at, at date night? Cause that would seem nope. separate, okay. just completely checking. separate. Yeah, we do that on, we generally schedule it every Monday because we're both home on Monday. My wife and I, we also have an option to do it on Thursday because my wife helps me with the business on Mondays and Thursdays. So we schedule it then. And it, it's really been helpful because it, it allows us to not just, uh, you know, arrange finances and stuff like that, but also helps us plan our meals for seven to 10 days out, which makes means we don't go out to restaurants nearly as much. And if I'm working, we'll do a lot of crockpot meals or whatever. And then the family stuff, it means, okay, Mike, let's make sure that, you know, Grace has basketball, a tournament this Saturday. Do you want to go or can I go? Well, I'll go and I'll just make sure that I have all my, all the stuff done that needs to be done around the house. So, and then when we sit down to have date night or go out for date night, there's no talk about that stuff. So it's great. But, um, I, I, th- when I was talking to a lot of these clients, they were having real problems with meetings. They couldn't figure out how to get things done between meetings. And, you know, as many times as I can go through, well, you know, here's some different ways to do it. I, I wanted to go to the root of the problem. And, and one of the guys that I work with, my podcast producer, John Polstra, he actually it works for, for, works for Red Hat and he is an amazing, uh, he loves facilitating meetings, loves it. And I'm like, you are a rare breed. So let's let's leverage that. So we we created this product called Meeting Makeover, and it's just basically a, a short little audio. I mean, it's got four audio modules and some tips and and strategies on how to make your meetings more productive. Because meetings, they there are 11 billion meetings in the U.S. every every year, and 50 percent of them are deemed as unproductive right right from the get go. So we were trying to help solve that problem in our own little way. We did a show on meetings years ago, and and I went back and listened to it after I read about what you're doing, and all it was was a rant for me for <laughs> an hour and a half complaining about meetings. I don't think I gave any useful advice whatsoever. I'll put it in the show notes if you want to listen to it, but uh, uh, so I mean, I this may be something be I should check to out. Put meeting makeover in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, meeting makeover definitely. Maybe that one first. <laughs> No, it was a lot of fun to put this thing together. And John and I actually had a huge, he had a, the way we built it was we, I said, think of everything you can about meetings and the mind map he came back with. I'm like, okay, this is really big. Let's bring it down to something that people can, you know, kind of wrap their head around initially. Who knows? We might build something bigger for larger enterprises or something for people who really want to go to that next level. But this, this product is just, it's designed to help you make your meetings more productive in a matter of a, a week. Like you can really go through these things and make your start right with the next meeting and, and really start to take things uh start to claim some of that time back right because that's that's the big thing people say I'm, I'm stuck in a meeting i can't do this i'm in a meeting and then what do they do when they're in a meeting they do other work and so the meetings aren't productive so we're trying to solve that and hopefully this does it a little bit okay so what are some what's some basic tips you want to give people about making meetings yeah more i mean I, we know you don't want to give away the product because you're that's your thing but but give us a little teaser um so one thing is uh we talk about you know obviously the importance of, of Agendas are important, but also the people. Uh, I think one of the things that we talk about is making sure that the right people are at the meeting. And a lot of times what will happen is you get a blanket statement of, hey, we're having this meeting and everybody needs to be in it. And you find out that some of the people that are invited to the meeting really don't need to be there 
or they're only there because they're avoiding other work and they'd rather sit in a meeting so they can avoid this other work. Or there's these other people who are going to be in the meeting just to cause issues with that meeting. And so it's important to really define who needs to be in the meeting. And maybe it's based on, and we talk about, maybe it's based on the role they have in the department. Maybe it's based on the, uh, the needs of that particular project. So we kind of go into holacracy a little bit, you know, having rules and circles and stuff like that. So we dive into that a little bit when it comes to to that. And then we also talk about just because you don't get to go to the meeting or you're not invited to the meeting doesn't mean you get the minute, you don't get the minutes from the meeting or the agenda from the meeting. So you have the people who are actually at the meeting and then you may want to say, okay, well, while John can't be at this meeting because he's not invited, he does have some input in the agenda. So these are the, in, uh, we're going to share the agenda with these people and they'll get to have some input on that so it's about being a bit more i guess a lot of the stuff we talk about is being more intentional about you know instead of just saying hey everyone and status meetings are the worst by the way that's what i used to meet at costco the whole the whole warehouse management team would be in a meeting and i ran the the service deli and food court departments which are you know the hot dog stand i didn't need to be there for a lot of that stuff um, you know, and can't most we of those been done be like email or reports like except, what is your what is your status ba- here you go yeah but back then there was intranet like there wasn't uh, like this is back in the night like there wasn't the hey tell us what your status is it was very like you know hands-on there was i mean i was still using paper planners back then so there wasn't there wasn't that there so and also i honestly think for some warehouse managers it was like a make work project like it was like okay well i i've done this meeting so therefore i have done what i need to do in this particular area because i rarely saw one of my warehouse managers he would only see me at those meetings and then i would deal with the assistants most of the time but i think that status meetings are very dangerous so we talk about the danger of those um you know minutes and then we talk one thing that i think is important is the progression like what happens after the meeting like you know the minutes often don't get done at certain times you know they're not done in time they're not shared in a way that allows people to have access to them they're not you know created necessarily to be actionable so we talk about different ways to do that as well, just in a streamlined way without causing too much friction amongst uh, all the people and, and the, the particulars involved. What I'm sorry, the issues I just, that... I'm still thinking about Costco hot dogs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what Jim the... Senegal, that was, I met the, the CEO of Costco when I was the, the food court manager there, and he, he loved the hot, it was his staple, the $1.99 hot dog. During the big opening party at one of our warehouses, he didn't, he wanted the hot dog stand open, which I ran, because he wanted to have the hot dog and pop. Despite all the fancy food, that was his thing. And he, he came up, shook my hand and said, you're running one of the most important departments in the building. You're, and I'm like, I was starstruck, because here's the CEO of this and one of the best CEOs I think is ever in, in the retail industry. Cause he's just Costco is such a generous company. And yeah. here he is, here he is saying, um, you know, how do you keep, and then he asked me, how did I, I think that's where my productivity passion started. I was running the, the hot dog stand and then the, 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 the rotisserie chicken, the deli in the back. So I had to go back and forth constantly. So I think that's where all the roots, that's why I'm here today. Really. That's why I'm on this show is because of Costco. <laughs> I so when my, when my wife gets me to Costco with her, usually I just get a hot dog and I sit there and I because it's right by where mm-hmm. people pay, and I have so much fun watching the people buy the stuff at Costco, you know. And my favorite is like middle aged guy with his big screen TV watching him go out of there. He's so happy. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Man, you can't. You, that that's priceless. Anyway. Well, well the, the, I mean, the other thing I love to watch is the people who you know the the story you would always hear is like I went to Costco to buy butter and milk and bread and spent four hundred dollars. Yeah. That <laughs> we we actually don't have a Costco. We have Sam's Clubs. And okay. Yeah. yeah. We got same those thing. here too. Well, I mean, not the same thing, but you know, tip 
big warehouse. Anyway, warehouse anyway, um, so, uh, I want to get into. Uh, I'm sorry, Katie, you had something else to add. No, I had. I have a meeting question. Can we can we stay on oh. meetings for just a second before we get off the yeah. off the meeting topic? So so here's yeah. my meeting question, and it's more small meetings. But my issue with meetings lately has been people want to use meetings more as social hours. So we're here. We got the agenda. I've got a limited amount of time, or I want to have a limited amount of time. I want to be here for only an hour or less, or 45 minutes. And we can't get the meetings done because there's the side conversation going over here. And then this leads us off to a tangent. And these people over here want to talk about this unrelated thing. Got any tips for that? Uh, one of the big tips that we discuss is assigning a facilitator to the meeting, like somebody that may not be the necessarily the person in charge either. So like, like the meetings that, are. Yes. Yes. And there are organizations all me. over. Yeah. So there, and that person's job without feeling that they, I mean, the role needs to be clearly understood and outlined, you know, well before the meeting. In fact, if you're doing it all the time, then it's got to be, hey, you know, Katie is the meetings are, you know, she's going to direct the meeting and we're going to follow suit. That's the way it is. Now, the other thing you can do is you can make uh, meetings standing meetings. So no chairs, none of that. Ooh, I like that. They're not going to want to, they're not going to want to stand around for longer than 25 minutes because they're going to get tired. No chairs. I, th- I can't remember what, I think I want to say it's, uh, I think it's uh, Basecamp that does this, either Basecamp or Amazon, one of the two, because uh, we went through so many different examples of meetings. Um, and then the other thing, another tip, which is the Amazon tip is the Jeff, Jeff Bezos, you know, like how many people can you have in a meeting? It's the two pizza rule. How many people will be able to eat two pizzas? That's as many people as should be in the meeting. So that's the other thing is limiting the amount of people might help as well. So I would suggest the standing thing as well as making sure that the person that, that has the, your superior, if you're not the one in charge and they've said, Hey, you're the meeting czar, you're the person in charge of the meeting. Um, giving you that authority to say, hey, look, we're getting off topic here. We only have this amount of time to talk about this. Let's move on to the next thing. Yeah, and remind the bosses right. how much money it's costing them. That, you know, that, that yeah, because there's, there's always that person that wants to comment on everything and add a side story. And let me tell you about this time that this happened. It's like, really? I think you just want to mm-hmm. talk so people know that you're here. Uh, and and, and <laughs> it, I think when it comes to that, like, yeah, I think the hardline stance of like, look, we've got bills to pay and this is costing us money and your side story can easily be shared, you know, in a, you know, somewhere else, like during, during lunch hour or something like that. What, what right. Katie really doesn't say is that when that happens, she has flashbacks of many conversations with me both on and off air. <laughs> and she's very likely to take a laptop computer and smack that person right in the forehead. To be yes, fair, David, I, our pre, our our pre call was well over the allotted time as well. <laughs> yeah, see, <laughs> yeah. I said, "Oh, we'll need fifteen minutes." I think you and I talked for an hour, right? Yeah, Something totally. like that. <laughs> How come you didn't throw me off the phone, Mike? I mean, because John wasn't on the call. John's the meetings are. I normally okay. give him that stuff. <laughs> well, guys, <laughs> I'm going to invo- invoke my right as as meetings are here. Actually, all right. And, and now yep. I'm going to move the topic along because we want to talk about virtual assistants a little bit, Mike, with you before our time runs out here. Uh, but before we do, I want to take a quick break and talk about our next sponsor, and that is SaneBox. And I have a feeling we'll at some point talk a little bit more about email management in this episode. Uh, but before we get there, the the way that I manage all of my email is is SaneBox, and uh, David turned me on to SaneBox, and it has been a godsend ever since. So here's what SaneBox does: is it automatically and intelligently helps you filter your emails. So right now you've got a couple of dozen, if you're lucky, and maybe a couple of hundred emails that come into your inbox every day. But how many of those are really important? My guess is not many. Wouldn't it be great if there was a way that only the most important emails could go in your inbox and then everything else could get filtered out? SaneBox will do that for you. 
the first thing SaneBox does is it sets up a Sane Later folder. So it's going to put only those emails that are important in your inbox. Everything else goes into the Sane Later folder so you can check, you know, later. And SaneBox is smart. It's going to learn. So every time that you teach it, you know, these emails from David, they're going to go in the inbox or maybe the black hole or, or maybe somewhere else. But it's going to learn, okay, well, in, emails from David are very important. Those are always going to go in, into the inbox. You know, emails from this mailing list, mm, not so much. Those are always going to go somewhere else. And then once you get the, the hang of the Sane Later folder, then you can start adding other folders. For example, there's the Sane Black Hole folder. If there are mailing lists that you've gotten added to and you cannot get off, or if there are people that you just absolutely positively never want to hear from again, I wish they had this for text messages, then you can add them to the Sane Black Hole and you will never hear from them again. As soon as you get an email from them, boom, they're gone. It will go straight to trash. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. You can also add snooze folders. These are great for deferring emails until either like the next business day or the weekend, something that you know that you've got to deal with, but you're not going to deal with right now. You can snooze something for a couple of hours, for a couple of days, or for a couple of weeks, depending on what you're, what you need to do. And then there's sane reminders. So if you send somebody a reminder and you haven't heard back from them, you can say CC one week at sanebox.com. And if somebody doesn't reply, you can get a, a follow-up saying, Hey, Deadbeat hasn't replied to you. You may want to check in on that and you'll know what to do with it. Um, they've got even more options. They've got like a, a a folder where you can send everything that you haven't received a reply to. They've got folders where you can send emails that you've been carbon copied to. And SaneBox just keeps getting better and better. So you can go check it out. There's a 14-day free trial where you can head to SaneBox.com slash MPU and sign up. It won't take you 14 days. It only took me 48 hours before I realized that I could not live without SaneBox. And if you come to that realization as well, use SaneBox.com slash MPU. You'll save $10 on any plan. And that's good for up to two free months worth of SaneBox. They've got a variety of levels uh, that you can choose from depending on how many email accounts you want and uh, what your needs are. So go check them out, SaneBox.com slash MPU. And thanks to SaneBox for your support of the show. Hey, you know, for a while on our show, the running gag was standing desks and um, and treadmills. You know, that seems like every episode that came up for some reason. But lately, that that is virtual assistance. And uh, when Mike and I were kind of prepping for today's show, uh, he started telling me all these things he was doing about virtual assistance, and, and many of which we've never covered on the show. And uh, you've already made mention that when you travel, you have people to help you kind of manage things. Now, those aren't people that um, are sitting in an office you've paid for, correct? No, no, no. There's, uh, they're all, at one point they were, uh, I was working with a virtual assistant service, but now they're just individuals that I've met along the way that are helping me out. And there's also a service I use called Fancy Hands for some of the smaller stuff, but no, I don't have anybody that's in my house doing that stuff. No. (laughs) Yeah. So, so one of the, the problems we run into with this topic is figuring out number one, how do you decide what you're going to hand off to a virtual assistant and how do you make sure that person does it right? So how are you conquering those issues? Well, I have to say that Chris Ducker, who uh, is the guy who wrote uh, Virtual Freedom, he's one of the guys I really look to for some of this stuff. And I met him, uh, I think, three years ago at, at a conference in Las Vegas. And he talks about the three lists that you put together. And I think this is a good one. The three lists of freedom, I think he calls it, where it's like the things you love to do that you only can do, the things you like to do, and then the things you don't like to do. And the thing is, is that 
you can you, you write down all those things and, and categorize them under those lists. And then the only things that you should really be doing, ultimately, you should get rid of the don't like to do. So like get rid of those right away and, and out, outsource those. But the second list that things you like to do, but don't need to do those you should also outsource at some point in time and only get to do those things that you love to do. And again, for my situations, obviously, I'm in a position where I can get to that point. I'm still halfway there. I still have stuff that I, I like to do, but don't need to do myself. I still do the show notes for the podcast, although my wife is looking at, she's taking a show notes course. Yes, there is a show notes course. Really? Wow. <laughs> but Katie's going to send me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, again, that's the great thing about the internet is that my wife's like, I don't know what show notes are. I'm like, well, I have someone who I know that knows what show notes are and they made a course here, take it. And she's like, okay, great. And so then I don't, cause I don't, I, I'm not really good at teaching my wife stuff. There's some kind of, I think it's just the way I'm wired that I can't teach her anything without it becoming a, a form of frustration for either of us. Yeah. My wife goes to Don McAllister if she wants yeah, to learn anything. Exactly. So, so for me, it's, it was about, um, getting that stuff sorted. And then what I did was I, I initially used a service called Zirtual, which went out of business and then was acquired and came back. So I don't know if I'd use it, if, if anyone's looking to use it, but I know Brett Kelly used it for a while too. Uh, author, I think Brett has been on the show, but you, you, Brett's a yeah. friend of ours. So yeah. Yeah. Um, Brett's been on. So, yeah, so uh, I was using them and I was outsourcing the stuff that I didn't really want to do. Uh, so things like updating spreadsheets that, you know, in terms of coaching client stuff and things like that. And, and it was really neat because you could pay them a monthly fee and they would do a certain amount of hours. And the reason I like Zirtual is because they were based in the United States. So they were local and there was no cultural nuances that you had to kind of, you know, look at or, or, or and the time zones were fairly congruent. And then eventually uh, I decided that I needed somebody local. I needed some FaceTime with the person so that I could have that that walk and talk with them about strategies and stuff. And I was thinking bigger than just being an assistant. And I hired a, a woman named Melissa who lives here in Victoria. Plus, it also helps I'm paying Canadian dollars for her as opposed to the American dollars. Because as of today, as we're recording this, our dollar is now worth uh, what it costs us a dollar thirty four Canadian to get one American dollar. Yeah. So. I get paid in American dollars, so I'm fine with that. I love it when that happens because it allows me to pay Melissa. So Melissa, is in a, she's now my kind of operations assistant. And then I've just started to add, you know, I mean, a friend of mine, Jim Woods, he was interested in doing some work and he's a freelance writer and freelance editor. So he's come on board to do all the editing. And I, 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 I look at the blog regularly, but I don't add the posts anymore. That's what Jim does. And then John Polster, who I mentioned earlier, I pay him out of the patreon funds for the podcast he does the editing of the podcast so it frees me up to do the stuff that i i, I love to do and i'm getting better at delegating that's the hard part is is learning to let go of some of this stuff and i can't imagine editing my own podcast anymore now it sounds really maybe you know uh, elitist or, or whatever but i just can't because it now i haven't done it in so long it feels good not to not to be the one doing it so i think if john didn't want to do it anymore i'd find somebody else so I think that that's, we've, that's we've got a guy. Mark's really good. He does. Yeah. Well. And you it, know, I just, I just found, I was never very good at it. I, I'm happier. David's happier. And the listeners are happier when we yeah. have Mark do our podcast editing. <laughs> well, and I think that that's the thing is, is that, you know, I mean, 
I would much rather, I think there was an article in Inc. Magazine where he talked about the 80-20 time rule, and, and he said, why, the one guy said, why I haven't mowed my lawn in, in three years. Well, I mean, I like to mow my lawn every once in a while, but sometimes, especially up here in, in Victoria, we don't get much snow here, but it rains a lot in the winter, and the grass still grows. So, you know, I don't want to be mowing the lawn necessarily in into into December, because it will, the grass will still grow then. But, so I will pay somebody to do that, because the person I'm paying 50 bucks to do our whole lawn on, uh, like a professional that's their living that's what they love to do i can make that in you know less than an hour doing a coaching call so i think it's about you know understanding where you trading time for money responsibly and once you do that giving up and, and adding some virtual assistance to the equation makes sense yeah i mean if you make 200 dollars an hour doing something and and uh then it's costing you and you, you mow your lawn it, it costs you 200 dollars mm-hmm. You're paying your lawnmower two hundred dollars an hour, so um, I, I know that's very pedestrian, but I mean that's one way of looking at it. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I mean, so, as, I mean assuming that you could have been making two hundred dollars at the time, yeah, you did that. Assuming, yeah. but but then it, that's the other thing is a lot of people what they've done, and I did this initially too, is that when I brought on virtual assistants, is that I and I think it because I was working, David. That's one thing you do a lot of stuff. So I'm wondering is you'll finally get you get that chance to breathe, and then it takes the like for me it was. Everyone's like, okay, I got some time to breathe. I'm going to breathe for a while instead of actually taking that time that I offloaded and leveraging it positively. There was a couple, you know, it was about a month or two where I'm like, where I didn't do that. So I think that that's the other thing. That's the trap you fall into is if you're going to give that time up to somebody else, like to a virtual assistant service, either an individual through something like virtual staff finder, which Chris Ducker runs or hiring somebody that, you know, or going through a service like fancy hands, freeing that time up, you better be willing to trade it for something of higher value to you that you want to do. Otherwise you're just, like you said, you're just, you're not going to get that $200 back. You're just basically spending money. Although I would argue that maybe you need the that little bit of breathing room and handing that off is a worthwhile investment to you. I think, I think it's, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's important to balance that though. I think that a lot of people when they've been working really hard and they go all in with an assistant that they find, it's kind of like what we talked about Evernote and you you go from an analog mess to a digital mess. It's kind of like, I have no help. Now I have help. And then you don't replace, you don't start to deal with the, with the deeper stuff that you need to deal with. You've removed all the pedestrian stuff and you really want to take that extra energy and at least, start to tackle some of that bigger stuff. But yeah, there's no, you want to rest because that's why you got an assistant in the first place. Now I want to talk about fancy hands because you, Ernie Svensson, we've had several guests on the show and we've danced around this fancy hands subject for some time, but we've never had anyone explain what it does. I I know. I thought it was kind of brilliant (laughs) as I said it, either that or ridiculous one or the other. Uh, But anyway, tell us a little bit about fancy hands. So with fancy hands, what you can do is you can basically, they've got a team of people so you can send off tasks to them and they will complete them. And you have a certain amount of requests you get per month, depending on your pricing. Like right now we've got, I think we get 10 tasks per month and we have, we've only done one this month and it was find some click to tweet alternatives. And they actually did some research for that. They found us three of them for, and, and I didn't assign this, my assistant did. So the way I'm using it is that I give my my assistant tasks and then she has the power to say, this is a waste of my time, but fancy hands can do it. So a lot of re- like a lot of the research stuff for meeting makeover went into fancy hands for them to like find infographics that will illustrate the power of having productive meetings. And they so what they do is they 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 give you your stats. And I mean, we only in the one request we gave them this month, we've saved one point six hours. I don't know if that's the case, but it seems it seems pretty high to me. 
but at least they're providing you with some stats. So you give them some tasks and you can do it through the iOS app or you could do it through through your, your web, you know, through the Mac, through your web based. And you can actually say you can create your to do list on the side, things that you might want to assign. And then you actually can make a standard request and it just deducts from your from your requests and your requests are charged to your credit card every month. And depending on your plan, that's how it works. So things like, you know. Find me the five best restaurants that I might want to go to when I'm in Los Angeles next time. They will do that and save you the time it would be to look for it or find me the best price on, you know, uh, uh, you know, a, a bed it, let's say, if you want to find or find me the best sleep, uh, sleep alternative, you know, the kind of sleep measurement tools. It will look that up for you. So there's lots of different tools, you, different requests you can give them and you can email them, too. So you can email it so to them or you can even actually text them. Primarily online research. But, but not, I'm I've guessing not specialized it. research. I mean, not like legal research or anything like that. No, you know, more general yeah, no, research. Yeah, like some of the common requests that that you know you'll have are like you know call call someone to book an appointment. Like so, call this car service, and there's a they have a lot of com- call. Can you call Time Warner Cable and cancel Showtime for me? I'm looking for there's some of the ones from their side. Find me a few different dog walker options in Southeast Portland. Uh, can you call the po- post office and find my package? Things like that. Uh, that's calls. There's the at home ones, the work ones, you know, some of the ones that we haven't really used these yet. Um, I need information on the best publicity f- uh, firms for authors in New York, along with who they represent. Like these are just, you know, we just moved offices. We have six magazine subscriptions. Can you please call them and update the addresses? Things yeah, like that. Yeah, that's just mean. Yeah. Handing that one off. Yeah, well, you know, but that's what you pay fancy hands for. <laughs> the, they um, think it's they think it's fancy. There you go. Well, <laughs> uh, uh, the attorney friends I know that use this use it quite often for scheduling. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's just like uh, you can have them schedule meetings for you, which can can actually be kind of a time sink. So you just say, okay, it, like if, let's say you've got a big group of people, uh, you could do that. Um, I, I'm actually looking into it for for pieces as we go into 2016. I'm going to be taking advantage of some of the stuff with with my day job. Uh, because there are things I'm doing that I would rather not be doing, you know, it's uh, to, you know, it doesn't fit in the right categories. And uh, so fancy hands, it's, it's for five tasks a month. It's $30, 15, it's $50 and 50, it's 149. I don't know. Um, I, you know, I don't know how this is all going to work out, but this is a, this is definitely an option. If you're out there and you, you want to hand off some of these tasks, they have recurring requests. Uh, they can purchase stuff for you. If you want to give them that ability and um and I have heard now from several people that use it that are very uh, upbeat about it that have been very happy with the service. Yeah, I'm very, and you can also get more tasks by referring people too. So the more that you, I mean, we requested, I think something because we weren't actually keeping track of the fact that it was American Thanksgiving when we made the latest request, and because we we did it on Thanksgiving, we got a free task <laughs> as a gratitude. So it's like, all right, well, that's fine. We'll take that. So I think it's, it's useful. And I think it's a great gateway for people who are looking to have a virtual assistant, because then they can say, you know what, these things that I've been passing off to fancy hands, maybe there's more things I can look at. And maybe I want to go to a dedicated assistant, yeah. which is helpful because then you can develop a relationship with them too. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about, um, so, so virtual assistant, you've kind of had a journey where you're using virtual assistants. Now you're using somebody more local, but mm-hmm. you're using them in effect virtually. Um, uh, wh- where have you run into pain points with that? And where, where would you recommend people, you know, be careful? Uh, I would be careful with services that you're going to invest a considerable amount of money in, unless you have a dedicated assistant. So, uh, some services, uh, you will get a pool of people. That's what fancy hands is really, is you get a pool of people, 
Um, with with Zirtual, I had a, a dedicated assistant that I worked with consistently. So that was important because then they get to know who you are, what your nuances are. You can share your calendars with them. Uh, another roadblock you might come across with an assistant is the software tools that they use. I had to buy one password for all of my assistants because they were using something else. Uh, and I would not now that there's one password for teams that is kind of in beta right now. Um, that's, I mean, that, that might change the game, but, uh, I would not use anything else, but one password. So I said, here, we're buying one password. We're going to have shared vaults. And so you may run across that problem. And then the other thing is time zones. Like I would look at if you're having people they're bringing on board, if you can get someone local, great. And, and it's always, I think it's great to feed back into the local economy if you can, because there's a lot of services I use that may not necessarily do that. Amazon might be one of them. So, I mean, to be able to infuse, you know, employ somebody locally and have them, you know, that, that was a big, big part for me. But, you know, if I can have some assistance that I'm able to get certain tasks done, like, you know, again, podcast editing, uh, you know, image generation, like, I mean, services like Fiverr even do stuff like that if you want to go down that road. But I think it'd be important to, to you know, watch for time zones and, and, and cultural nuances can be important to some people too. But I think a dedicated person is always going to be what you want because then you can, you know, there you know that you're going to be working with that person consistently. I think that's a big one. And one point you made that I thought was an excellent and, and we'll move on because you've given me the perfect segue, but uh, is you screencast a lot of the the tasks that they do on a computer and you yep, screencast so will, them. Yeah, Go ahead. I screencast and what I do is I have a shared Evernote notebook that I share with my assistants so that they know. So it's like kind of an ongoing updating manual as we go. And then we use Slack for communication. So I, I communicate with my assistants and everybody all the time. We have a Slack, you know, a Slack board that we use. But yeah, I, uh, if I want to share something with somebody like how to, you know, do something in WordPress or whatever, or how to, you know, block quote something and they don't know how to do it. It's a lot easier to teach that kind of stuff than to teach alignment and, and vision that you share with somebody. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I hired Melissa is we had a very similar uh, view of how, I mean, I really just, we, we clicked, but she didn't have all the technical skills that's teachable. So uh, yeah, I'll use like screen screen flow and capture things and say, Hey, here's how you do this. And then it's important when you do that, by the way, to make sure you don't like say, Hey, Melissa, this is how you do this. Like make it evergreen. Yeah. So that way, if somebody else comes on board, you can just share that and it's, it's already done for you. Yeah. It's such a, and then they can go back and do yeah. it. Like if they don't do it often, they can always go back. Hey, um, you mentioned one password, which just happens to be the final sponsor of today's show. We're so happy to have one password back as a sponsor of Mac power users. And just, as Mike was mentioning, they just released a new uh, update to one password for iOS at 6.1, the unity edition. You like that? I like that. Mm. And unity. Uh, it kind of feels Star Trek-y to me. I'm not sure. <laughs> but anyway, it's uh, it's mm. been very exciting to see them go through uh, implementation of teams in one password. And now it's on the iPhone with version 6.1. You can have a one password for teams. You can share it along your teams. Uh, you've got these vaults you can share and you've got your own vault. So they even have a view now called all vaults. So you can see your primary vault and you can see, you know, the Mike Vardy productivity vault. And for instance, at Mike's office, uh, the app also got better performance. So it's faster than ever. It's got, you know, it, they're always making it faster and better. Now, if you don't know what one password is, shame on you. You should know about it because we talk about it all the time on the show. It's a great application that allows you to easily create very custom, very secure passwords 
for all those websites and services that you're signing up for. And then 1Password remembers them for you. All you have to remember is that one password that gets you into the application and it takes care of the rest. They have versions on the Mac, PC, iPhone, and iPad. They're made by people who are absolutely obsessive about protecting your security. And the application doesn't just handle your passwords for you. It handles so much more like your secure notes where you can put information about your health or your banking on your phone and put it behind that separate one password, you know, wall. Uh, it's like I said, it's multi-platform. Uh, we've had so many listeners write in that talk about it. I, I always feel like, you know, I'm not too eager about telling people to switch to a, a Mac. You know, it's, I always feel like it's your thing, you know, use whatever computer you want, but I am absolutely uh, eager to try and convince someone to use one password because I think, uh, security is more important now than ever. There's more people out there trying to get to your passwords and getting to your private data uh, than ever. So you need to have professional tools on your side. And one password is just that. Uh, like Mike said, I'm I'm like Mike. I use it on everything. I, I can't imagine life without it. If you haven't tried it yet, go try it. You're going to be with your family this holiday. And if you're already using it, do, you know, give the gift of one password. I, I'm really serious about that. I mean, when you're with your family, your siblings or your parents or, you know, your your kids, explain to them the importance of password security. Help them get set up with one password. You can set it up for them right there. Once they understand it, anybody can use it. You don't have to be a geek, so you can teach it to them. And you know what? They will be thankful to you for sharing, sharing that with them. I've done this with f- several members of my family, and they all are are very proud of the fact that they have good security on the Internet, and and they know that they need it. So so go check it out, uh, Agile Bits. Uh, we have a link in the show notes, I believe, that's going to get you a little bit of a discount if you use our link. But, yeah. you know, even if you get in the App Store, let them know you heard about it uh, from us. And thank you, 1Password, for all the great work you do to help protect all of our passwords. So, Mike, we have so, so much more that we want to cover with you. I don't, I don't know if we'll be able to hit it all, but you'll, we'll definitely have to have you come back sometime. But uh, I know at least for today, there are a couple more topics we want to cover. So maybe we'll have to hit these these last few more more rapid fire. But um, let's talk a little bit about uh, calendaring an email, because it would not be a, a proper show with you, the productivityist, if we did not talk about two of these big issues when it comes to productivity, because those are two big productivity sucks for people. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's funny, we go back to the iPad mini and I almost always use my iPhone and iPad to check uh, email because I love dispatch. Dispatch is my jam. I, I just love the action-oriented stuff. I can whiz through email so much quicker with it. I know it doesn't work with Exchange, in which case, if you if you like yeah. that kind of triaging, then Cloud Magic is going to be what you're going to want to use, or if you're on Android, um, because it has the ability to have the same kind of card so you can move things to. Again, Todoist works for both of those, which is why I like it, or Asana. Or, and I know that uh, Dispatch has you know the OmniFocus and all that stuff in there, but I love the way that it just allows me to look at something, go make a decision. Is this an email that is information? Is it a task or is it both? And I can put it where it needs to be and get out of email fairly quickly. The stuff that doesn't go into, of course, Scenebox takes care of a lot of my stuff initially. But then the stuff that doesn't, that's where that's where dispatch is real. It's, it's just firepower. So walk I me wish, through I that wish very their iPad quickly. Im- I wish their iPad implementation, implementation was better, though. Yeah, yeah I, I, I hope that they continue to develop it. I know they've got, I know Clean Shaven has a couple other apps, but Dispatch, I mean, it's sad. To, I mean, as we're recording this, of course, Mailbox is no longer going to be developed. It's shutting down for Dropbox, and it's kind of the first pioneering email triage app. But I think that if, I mean, Dispatch has a lot going for it, and I really like, I really like what they've done. 
it doesn't hurt that they uh, listened to me and mentioned me in an update once when I said, hey, what if you could make it so you saw your oldest at the top? So that that uh, they have a soft, uh, soft uh, spot for me in my heart as well. Well, even like one of the nice features of dispatch is it, it will address the first name when you reply mm-hmm. to someone. So on your phone, that's huge, especially like if you're running a podcast and you're getting email from people all over the world. And, you know, names have accent characters in them. And if you want to reply, it, it takes a lot of time to kind of type that in. Whereas in dispatch, you can reply, it puts the name in and then you can just dictate and go. It's really great. for that. It has snippets and stuff built right into and also syncs to your text expander snippets if you want. Like there's so many good things about it. That's I love it. Yeah. I interrupted Katie, though. What was your question, Katie, about that? Well, I was going to ask you to, to run me through briefly. So you, you go into Dispatch, and then what are you doing? It's it's archive, delete. I, I, I've used Dispatch, but it, I, I tell you, honestly, I, I kind of gave up on it when I, I know the iPad version is out now, but um, when they didn't do it for a while and because I was using Exchange for work. So you're, you're firing off things, you're moving, you're deferring them, you're sending them to your task management. What's your process quickly when you go through in Dispatch? So if I, I'll look at an email, I'll check my inbox, obviously, because that's where this, the main stuff is. And I'll say, oh, is this actionable? Yes. And it'll move it to Todoist. If it's not for Todoist and it's for the team, it'll go to Asana, which is what we use for productivity as team. If it's archival, we'll just archive it. So, And if it's information, that, like, so say a contract or something or something I want to keep, I'll move it to Evernote. So I'll make those decisions really quickly. And by the time I'm done that, I'll have my email whittled down to, to virtually nothing. So, you know, that's how I use it. I, I, it really allows me to triage very quickly. Cool. What about calendaring? What are you using for calendaring these days? Uh, I, I lament the loss of Sunrise. Uh, Sunrise was what I was using um, because I loved the Meet keyboard that they had for iOS. So I could, I use schedule once for regular scheduling, but when I don't want to schedule with like, I want to schedule with friends, I'd rather send them a link and they can say, hey, let's meet up at this time and give them an option. So it's a little less form or a little less formal. But Sunrise got acquired by Microsoft and they've rolled it into Outlook or they've started to roll it in. So right now I've gone back to Fantastical on iOS. I use BusyCal on my Mac um, and I will stick with BusyCal on my Mac, but I, I was using Fantastical before and I will continue to use it on iOS. I just, I just love the fact it was again, a pioneering natural language uh, calendar. So I, I, I tend to be loyal in a lot of things, maybe not with task managers, but certainly with other tools. Yeah, well, I get it. I mean, and there's options. I mean, I think one of the questions with with calendar apps is what's your calendaring engine? Because mm. it, whether you use Google or IMAP or Exchange is going to have a, a lot of effect on what path you take. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think that I looked at the Google Calendar app for iOS because I, I was actually looking at all of them on the iPad that I had. And I had there's one called Free Time, which I liked because it actually said what free time you have. It's called Free Time, too. I liked that. But it just it didn't give me enough information. Uh, the calendar app for iOS. I've never been a fan of the stock apps on iOS, so I think I've still got that that you know uh, hurdle to jump. And then I looked at Google Calendar, and while I did like some of the integration, it's just I'm used to the look of of a Fantastical kind of app. So I just went back to Fantastical. It's 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 doing the trick. Yeah, that's yeah. what I use as well. Two, two things that you mentioned in your um, what was it called your effing meeting? Um, yep. That that I thought were were interesting and that, you know, might be worth going into a little more detail um, is you mentioned you talk about meal planning. Um, and that's something that we talked a little bit about. I think it was on a, a MPU live. Uh, and it's something that I try to do. You know, I try to cook a couple of times a week and then, you know, eat off of it all week. But I, 
I know you can save a ton of money for meal planning and then, you know, taking your meals into work and to other things. Tell me a little bit what you're doing with that. Well, uh- the interesting thing is because all those F's kind of interchange. So if we look at it, because we run a business where we don't get a regular paycheck, so we do the finance stuff first, and then we'll say, okay, well, here's our grocery budget. Okay, well, what do we want? What do we have? And so we normally have an idea of what we have in the fridge and the freezer, and then we'll say, okay, well, we need to plan, and we plan between seven and 10 days out. So we are pretty extreme. And that's more me than my wife. My wife would probably be happy to do five. But just because we don't know how things are going to happen in the household. And we'll say, okay, well, what's going on on Tuesday, like tomorrow, for example, we're recording this on a Monday. Uh, I know I'll be working until five o'clock. So we're doing a crockpot meal. So generally Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Fridays, I'm home and I, I start taking care of the kids at 230 when they get home from school. Um, but I happen to have a call between four and five. So we'll do a crockpot meal. So we just basically have these recipe books, actual paper books, and we'll go through them and say, okay, we're going to do this meal and this meal and this meal. And we write it on a whiteboard that's on the fridge because my wife's still, we're using Google Calendar and I've got her using that. So I'm happy with that. And that's about as far as I'm willing to go down that path right now. So we have the whiteboard. It just says, here's the meal for Monday. And then we have the page number and the initials of the book that it's in. So that way, either of us can follow the recipe pretty easily. And I have a reminder set up in um, do, uh, do, do dot app, uh, where I will, uh, it will say it's 445 time to go up and start looking at dinner. And that's when I will open the recipes because most of our recipes take about 25 minutes to cook. And yeah, we, we plan it out we try to, and again, by planning our meals, it, we, we put ourselves in a position to say, okay, we're having chicken, we're having vegetables. Like we divide it up in a way. So we're never having the same thing regularly. And then, yeah, I think I'd say every four or five days we have leftovers because there's four of us and we have two picky eating kids. So we have to plan this stuff out. Otherwise, yeah, we will be going out and eating and, you know, doing McDonald's and stuff like that, which just isn't healthy and waste money. Um, And then the big F in that was finance you were talking about. And we've had a lot of people looking for good budgeting tools, um, you know, on the Mac, on iOS. I know we've had a lot of people recommend, um, is it YNAB? You need a budget. That's what I use. That's what I use. Yeah. Tell me about that. I love YNAB because uh, when I'm traveling, I can also input my my spending and I can can create a budget specifically for that in YNAB. So I have a travel budget and I can actually see what's going down in that budget. So it's really interesting to see, you know, okay, well, we have say $300 for that for that trip. Um, then I can see, okay, well, how much am I spending, you know, and all that stuff. So you can do it right in the grocery store with the iOS app. It's great. So if you buy groceries, you can enter it in really quickly. Um, and so I like that because it's, it's the, the, the web, the, sorry, the, the local app, the Mac app. Um, it's just, you get to, you really can keep an eye on, on what's going on in terms of your, 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 your family budget, your spending. You can see, you know, how much money do we have left? So instead of looking at like our bank account balance, we're looking at, you need a budget and saying, okay, well, this is how much money we have for this month or for this month in terms of groceries. So we have like $600 for groceries this month. Okay. Well that's, and how much do we have for restaurant? Oh, we have 150. Okay. Well then we can eat out twice with a family of four. Okay. Well then let's pick our spots. And so it it does really help us. YNAB is a, a great tool. And again, it's one of those simple tools. It it kind of is how uh, it keeps you from looking at that bank balance, which I think is dangerous to look at your, especially if you're struggling with finance. And and, I mean, I've struggled with finance in the past is if you look at your bank balance all the time, you forget you've got an automatic bill payment coming out or something like that. It's going to throw you for a loop. So to have something like a, a simple budgeting program 
that works. And the nice thing is my wife could use it at work. She has a Windows machine at work. So it's synced via Dropbox. I mean, she can enter stuff in when she's at the office. So it's important for us to have cross-platform tools and YNAB certainly fit the bill. So the idea behind YNAB is you basically, you sit down and you figure out your budget. You figure out this mm-hmm. is what our budget's going to be. This is what we're going to spend on food, on 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 housing, Enter- on transportation, yeah. on whatever, you know, whatever the yep. categories are. And then it works kind of on based on the envelope system. So once you set your budget, you then spend down out of those respective categories. Absolutely. And you can set it recurring. So it could be the same budget every month or you could do uh, adjustments. So it's helpful for, and you can, I mean, it's it's just really, really powerful. And, and yeah, it's exactly like the envelope system is basically what it's based on. And I, I, I really like it uh, because it, it, as someone who would very easily, especially, I guess, considering that where we live, um, we live, Victoria is not a cheap place to live in Canada. It's one of the more uh, higher because we live on an island, you know, and we're, we live in the warmest part of Canada year round. So it's not cheap to live here. And then because we get paid in American dollars, it's easy for that for us to lose perspective of that. So I'd rather keep that extra money that we're earning in American dollars and bank it. So we budget accordingly. And I think it keeps us, it keeps us grounded in terms of how much money we have. And again, if you're running your own business, uh, your retirement fund is going to be very small unless you save money. So, well, the, um, I I think those are great. And, and there's a whole nother topic we want to talk to you about another time, but I think we're going to save that for another show because we're already uh, over an hour and a half here. Uh, but, but Mike, before we go, um, because we're all nerds here, give us a couple little Mac or iOS apps that people may not know about that can change their lives or at least bring them a little bit of a smile. Oh boy. You guys have covered so many of them in here. I'm going to go iOS. Um, the, the one I've been using a lot more lately is, uh, and it's not, again, it's, 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 it's momentum. Have you guys heard of momentum? It's a habit tracking app. Yeah. Uh, I really like that one um, because I'm trying to get back into, you know, habits are like the cornerstone of productivity routine. They build routines on top of it. So I think that that's one that I really, really like. And you can set reminders for it and all that stuff. And and so I really like that one. Plus, it's got an uh, Apple Watch app, which I still don't have. I still don't have an Apple Watch, by the way. Uh, And then another one that I really like, which is related to the, um, the Baron Fig line of notebooks is called Spark. And this is for people who, you know, I mean, for me, I want to kind of get ideas and stuff. So I, it's just a, it's just a notebook thing and it kind of gives you this little spark of, of ideas and stuff. So I I really kind of like that if you want to have that, that kind of, you know, inspirational thing that come to mind. And then the the third one, I'll mention a third one real quick called fish and essay, which Patrick Grone told me about a long time ago. Um, And it's, it's an iPhone app and it might be still hard to get, but it's really, really nice. It's just kind of a story that's told. So I think those are three that maybe people haven't looked at. So uh, I really enjoy those just as, as, as neat little, little uh, iOS apps that are, are rather cool. Well, well, Mike, thanks. Uh, I'm so happy we finally got you on the show. We do have more to talk to you about, and we will in the future. Uh, in the meantime, I want people to go out and see all the amazing things you're doing. Uh, I know one of your big homes on the Internet is the Productivityist. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. So Productivityist is my company and it's me and a, and a bunch of other really cool people. And we are building tools and resources to help people stop doing productive and start being productive. And you can find us at productivityist.com. And on Twitter, you are at Mike Vardy. Okay. Awesome. Any place else people should go to look for you, Mike? Not, you know, I'm on the Instagram, but I don't do it very often. You'll just see me cheering for my Cincinnati Bengals on there. So probably those two places are the really only places to go. <laughs> Okay. Great. 
And we've got a lot of stuff in the show notes. I've been vigorously going through and taking notes throughout the show. So you can find links to everything that we've talked about. Well, maybe not everything, as many things as I caught that we talked about in this episode over at our website at relay.fm slash MPU slash 294. David, we're getting close. Remember wow. when that 300 was a long way away? Mm, not so long away. 300 uh, seemed unobtainable, I remember. <laughs> I know. Uh, relay.fm slash 294 or in your podcast application of choice. Uh, you can also find us on the web. Uh, the show is at Mac Power Users on Twitter. I'm Katie Floyd. David is Max Sparky. And uh, we will see you all next time.